how can you love others if you're not truly loving yourself? How can you fully be in service to the universe if you're not taking care of your own needs? It's good economics. It's just like invest in yourself first to build your foundation and then have your life expand around it. Welcome to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. Look, if you believe that there's gotta be more to life or you find yourself zagging when others are zigging, this podcast is most likely for you. We're not here to fix you because in our opinion, you're already perfect. We are here to help you remember who you truly are. That light inside of you that you thought you lost forever. I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? That one. We're brash and blunt and give it to you straight. You'll most likely love us and hate us at the same time. And for us, that's perfect. Because what we are here to do is open your heart and expand your mind so you can live your ultimate life. And if you're wanting more support at any time or just want to interact with Guy and I, find our personal development without the fluff group on Facebook and come hang out with us and other like-minded, amazing human beings. So if you're done with fantasizing about your life and you're ready to go start living it, welcome to our show. Now let's get started. All right, my friends. So today's iTunes review is short, simple, and to the point by Joel Smith214, who headlined it, amazing podcast. He writes, life-changing material, one of the best personal development, if not the best I've listened to. Joel, thank you for the beautiful, kind words. Email me at elon at satoriprime.com, and I will send you your personalized gift. And if you're listening and would leave us an honest review on iTunes. Uh, once I read yours out loud, you can email me as well and receive this amazing gift. So again, thank you, Joel Smith 214. And now back to our show. All right, everyone, welcome back to Personal Development Without the Fluff. I'm your host, Elon Ferdman. And today I have the privilege of, I think this is going to be one of those conversations that I walk away from like, oh, that was a great one. Uh, so Robert Kendall, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yeah. And uh, Robert is uh, a man after my own heart. We had a few conversations and I got a chance to read his book, which uh, I love the title. It's called Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by them. I really like yes. that second part. Thank um, you. And before we dive into what this will be all about, I'd love for you to give a little bit of background about who you are, how you got to where you are, and, and what you're passionately bringing through to the world today. Uh, my, my story is that I felt I was normal until I was around 28 years old. And what I mean by normal was really just living the American dream of high school, college, first job, second job, you know, excelling at pretty much every step of the way and ending up 28 years old, living in San Francisco, six-figure job, suit and tie, married to an attractive woman, and everything looked great from the outside, but on the inside wasn't so great. I was also a workaholic, overweight, and didn't really know who this person was who was my wife. Like We were friendly, but not really intimate. And I don't mean that in any negative way. Like Neither of us had the skills, the awareness that we were, weren't intimate or really close because we never knew anything different. So then um, I was ready to go on with the status quo. My wife, Carol, was not. And so we went on a series of epic adventures, starting off with Burning Man. And then that exploded into all different experiences from uh, visiting swinger clubs, taking workshops, doing uh, hallucinogenics, everything. <laughs> and then in 2004, I started an organization called One Taste, uh, which taught about relationships, intimacy, communication, and sexuality, and took that from a paper napkin sketch to a international eight-figure business. Bailed on that in 2014, totally burnt out, and came to Venice Beach, California to start my current life, which is amazing. And what do you do? What do you do in your current life? With that, that was amazing. And what do you do in the current life? I have a business, a consulting business, where I'm actually redesigning it. The, the current title is Growth Expert, though I'm getting some negative feedback. Like, is that a Silicon Valley? Are yeah. you trying to, like, it doesn't quite fit. But it, in the feeling of it, it's like I, take, I help people move from point A to point B. 
uh, and I have skills on the emotional, energetic, relationship, communication side, but also in the business. I'm an interim CFO. Um, I help small businesses expand, and I've got some really cool projects and also do couples counseling and coaching and teach workshops. So I get around. I don't like being bored. Yeah. <laughs> so Robert um, shared the book with me, and, and in our first conversations, I, I always like to, in, in the pre-interview process, kind of figure out like what people are really passionate about sharing and what that core message that they're bringing through. And as you guys can tell, Robert has done a lot and, and continues to do a lot. Um, the piece that really hit home for me is something that that uh, I've been exploring a lot and personally and with clients. Um, is this, how do I want to call it? The re-evolution of what it means to be a man mm. in today's world. And as I was reading the book, there were so many things. I was like, yes, yes, that, yet more of that, please. Um, because it really is, I think we, we, and this is no, no blame on anyone. I just think we were born into a world where it's been so patriarchal and our parents and specifically our fathers been conditioned a certain way. And mm-hmm. we're starting to get into that place where that old model no longer fits and we're seeing it all over the news. I mean, it's just, it's, it's rampant today right. and it's scaring the shit out of a lot of people. So I'd like to start with just, you know, what was the catalyst for you even writing something like this and bringing something like this forward? Uh, I have to really blame my wife, Morgan. <laughs> She's like, you have to write a book. I'm like, no, I don't want to write a book. She's like, you, you know, like oh, two weeks later, you should, you know, when you say that, you should put that in the book. And I was like, I don't want to write a book. Yeah. And, and then really what happened was uh, I did see her point was the things I had learned from great teachers and horrible teachers, but great teachers um, from experience after experience was this new paradigm that I think enables men to live happier, fuller lives. And to me, like my education was not smooth sailing. I got my butt kicked. I had my ego destroyed. I was in the depths of jealousy. I had my, you know, like there were some really low points and there were some amazing high points. But the, the, the thing I can see now in relating to a powerful modern woman to be a man in the 21st century, to understanding what's happening in society is not obvious for most men. And they don't have a lot of resources just to get the information. So it was like, she's like, you see something on how men and women can interact in today's really changing time. And then Me Too happened in the, right before I started writing the book. And it just keeps evolving. So it was Morgan's fault, but it was really also, I was having the same conversation over and over again with men in my coaching practice and my courses online of really like, it's just time for men to wake up and see what's happening. And I do mean this in the most supportive, gentle way, you know, unless they want tough love, which most men sometimes like and need, they like the drill sergeant, but really it's just, it's time to wake up and see what's happening so they can learn what the impact, the what's happening now, and also just to be happier and better partners and better lovers and better friends. It's just, you got to wake up. Yeah. I mean, I, I've also on the coaching side, see the same exact thing where it's like that old paradigm of this is how I show up. You know, I'm a man. This is how I get to show up for my wife. She's a woman. And, and that whole paradigm and as women are rising, and I think it's more when this we'll talk about today, just like the feminine, feminine, not the feminism, like female, but the feminine energy is rising, that it's um, shifting a lot of things. And I think there's people that are just more receptive and more open to kind of like flowing on those rides. And then there's people that are just terrified by it. Um, And and so it's kind of polarizing people. But, uh, you know, you you started the book when you when the both of you ended up going to uh, a sex workshop. Yes. And you got, you got so triggered. Um, I think it's just a cool place to start because it just goes to show like the depths of work. And then I'm, we'll talk about plant medicine and all that stuff. But like, I just thought it was a great place to uh, to jump from. Yeah, it's it's the first chapter of the book on purpose because it was my wake up call. Mm-hmm. So I was at the time of this story. I was uh, just about to turn 29 years old. And I had it made, really. I had the six-figure job. I had the house. I had the wife. I had, like, all the picture looked right, but nothing felt right. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was, like, 
going along like, okay, this is the way it is. And Carol, my first wife, another one of my muses was like, no, I'm not accepting the status quo. You know, there's a, there's something else that I want. So, you know, I'm in downtown San Francisco, suit and tie, you know, typical corporate America day and the phone rings and it's Carol. She's like, Hey, do you want to take a class on sex? And I was like, oh, sex, you know, like, you know, <laughs> my corporate America sweet mate. I was like, sex. Oh, what do you mean? She's like, there's a class on sexuality. Do you want to take a class? And when you're not having sex with your lovely wife, because you don't understand her at all, the answer is yes. You know, because like, yes. And so a few weeks later, I end up in this house in um, Marin County of near San Francisco. Uh, uh, to make a very long story short, we're doing introductions with me, the two teachers, Carol, and about 18 other students, most of them attractive women. And I do my introduction and I you know, I speak about myself and speak about a relationship and I nailed it. You know, I was just like, I was smart. I was concise. I was brilliant. I was funny. And I expected everyone to clap and the teacher to say, hey, come up and teach with me. <laughs> Instead, you know, the guy, Erwan Devon, he's still teaching. He's an amazing guy. He said, you know, with no inflection, said, hey, do you know your wife's crying? And she was sitting right next to me, like six inches away. And I was so self absorbed and so unaware of the impact of my chauvinism, misogynism, that I had no idea. And I had two choices in the moment. Option number one was to jump up, demand that she leaves and go back to the cave. Or number two, the one I picked was to sit and learn. And it was so difficult to sit in the burn of that. But it changed my whole life because I just, it was the first clue that not everything was I saw. And I could stay in my hierarchical, what author Michael Kimmel calls the aggrieved entitlement of my position, or I could say, hey, it's time to learn. So I picked the latter and my whole epic life has followed that moment. Yeah. And I think what, what uh, really jumped off was, you know, that, that one moment puts everything in question because mm-hmm. it's all this reality that I have. Like I'm this Superman, I'm this amazing person. Da, da, da. Meanwhile, like the reality hit. And it right. starts making you question kind of everything mm-hmm. in life. And, and I like how that, that spun forward from there. Um, just real quick before we jump into something else, because okay. I think this is a point that really hits home for a lot of people, which is it's really easy to get sucked in when we get external validation about you know the suit, the six figures, the attractive wife, the I, I'm living life. And it becomes very difficult mm-hmm. to say out loud to someone, hey, I'm not happy because mm-hmm. generally the reaction is like, what the fuck do you have to be unhappy about? Like, you got this, you got this, you got that. And it keeps people in the dark. Have you noticed that with, with uh, clients as well that they just, they're almost embarrassed and ashamed to say that they're not happy because they live X type of life? Well, I, I would go one step deeper and I would just say most people aren't unaware that something is a miss. So most people are in what I call non-confrontation. They're they're in their life with their blinders on and full steam ahead and going the dreams installed by them, some program from parents or society. They're living a life and they might be succeeding in it. And there might be a certain je ne sais quoi, a certain like, you know, something amiss, but they not confront it. It's sort of like like you get a little growth on your foot and you're like, ah, it doesn't matter. I can still yeah. walk. And then a week later, it's a sore and then you're not confronted. And all of a sudden, you got to go to the hospital. That's how most people live their lives with their emotions and their relationships and themselves. They, they wait until it's so unmanageable, you know, that inspiration or desperation. We're so desperate. So that's how most people live. The second piece, if they actually notice something, is they don't feel permission, especially men. But, you know, all people, but men do not have permission to speak, hey, something's amiss here. It's a double-edged sword of like men are the privileged class. We're on the top of the pecking order. What right do you have to complain about anything? Okay, well, I'll shut up and wear the mask while I continue my bad behaviors because I'm not addressing, you know, the growing sore in my soul. And so what happens is we, we just live in a society that teaches us to live hidden, to live inside, to wear these facades. And that's where the cancer comes from. And without addressing it, it just keeps growing and growing. So that's the point of the book is to give people permission to see it, feel it, speak it, and deal with it. Yeah. And again, just what we were saying earlier about we get programmed at a very, very young age that it's not okay to cry. 
mm-hmm. that it's not okay to show signs of weakness, mm-hmm. that this is what it looks like to be a man, quote unquote. And it, it goes against all of the programming to have enough awareness and to right. step out and say, okay, but I'm not like, I've tried all of these things right. and I'm not happy and yep. this doesn't work for me. And I think that's the part that most humans, but specifically men have a lot of shame about coming out and saying those things and, and asking for support and asking for help. Right. Right. And even with men, with their intimate friends, their bros, like, totally. There's there's more intimacy, but there's still not freedom. And so my goal is just to create space for you to build to have pragmatic communication structures, so you can build more trust and intimacy with the people you call your intimate friends. Mm. Just for your own health, it's like how can you love others if you're not truly loving yourself? How can you fully be in service to the universe if you're not taking care of your own needs? It's just it's good economics. It's just like invest in yourself first to build your foundation, and then have your life expand around it. So, yeah, absolutely. So let's kind of start diving into that a little bit. You know, <laughs> so someone gets to the point they're listening to this conversation. They're like, you know what? I'm kind of one of those guys right now where, on paper, everything is great. And everyone around me is looking at me going like, wow, you have the magic life, but you know what? I'm drinking myself. I'm, I'm not taking care of myself. I'm just not happy and I don't love myself. Like mm-hmm. how do they start making those transitions into having those conversations where they feel safe enough to have them? Um, <clears throat> well, the first, so the first step is to confront, to see, to have that honest conversation with yourself. The second one, this is all in the book. I have a framework for this. So in the back of the book, there's a framework. So confront and then investigate. We live in such an information-rich time. There's on your phone, you can find out anything. And so if you're, you're drinking too much, search drinking problem or search Alcoholics Anonymous or drink the alcohol impact. If you're watching porn too much, there's rich, rich information out there to, to research. If you have an anger issue, if you have violence, if you have overweight, like there's no shortage of information, just plug it into your phone and like look and study it. Just like you'd study, you know, fantasy football, you'd study pool, you'd study, you know, playing the piano, but you know, do we research the things that are ailing us? Very often, no. So research it. Then the third step is to make a commitment. And this is before you actually decide what it is. I'm going to commit to 30 days of working on my drinking. It can be as vague as that. So just say to yourself, I am going to commit to a life change. It could be a week. It could be two days. Really, 30 days is kind of the minimum in my world for 20 days to break a habit. But just commit. Then build a practice, which can be difficult for some men because without the information, it might be good to get a friend, to get a coach, to get a therapist, to join a 12-step group, to join a gender group, like get some help, some feedback to build a practice. Do the practice for those 30 days, have accountability, and then at the end of 30 days, assess what went right, what could be improved. You know, how do I, do I want to do it again? And then watch your life up level. Just like you learn to hit the fastball by going to the batting range, do the same thing with your drinking, your porn, your drug, your whatever problem. Hi there, my friend. I just wanted to take a quick minute here in case some of you skip these intros on the shows and let you know about our amazing community that's changing people's lives all over the world. It's called The Collective. And if you're thinking, I don't know if this is worth my investment, I thought I'd share just what some of our members have been saying. Take a listen to these reviews. Something about being around you and Guy is magic. I grow more when I'm a part of your tribe. The conversations around love have changed me more than I'm sure I'm even aware of. I ask for answers and half the time, I don't even know what I'm asking for. And then always the perfect thing shows up. I've never felt so free. Another writes, growing stronger and more independent every day, full of self-belief, living in the now, and I am love. I do feel free because I've released what was surrendered to what is, and I'm excited as to what will be. And lastly, one of the best decisions I've made in a long time was the one I made roughly two weeks ago to begin meditating and connecting with Elon and Guy Ferdman of Satori Prime in their collective. So if you like this podcast and this form of education, I am sure that you will absolutely love the collective. And the best part is we're offering a 14-day free trial for you to just come and check it out. You really have nothing to lose. 
Once the trial is done, check this out. Your investment is just $9 a month. I mean, that's less than one of those fancy cups of coffee or a glass of wine or beer. So if you head over to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now and invest in yourself, or are you not worth the $9 investment? Look, you can lock this price in right now before we realize it's way too low and crazy and change our minds and bump it up. Again, head over to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and lock your price in at just $9 a month. We look forward to seeing you on our next collective training. Now on with the show. So I I 100% agree. I think it's, there's a piece there about accountability and support that is really, really important uh, because human beings, we will use ourselves out of anything. And those old patterns are so easy. Like you've laid those grooves for decades Mm -hmm. and to just say, okay, you know what, for the next 30 days, I'm going to jump over here. I mean, I think everyone knows at least at a very small level, like what motivates them, what Mm. keeps them going. So whatever works for you, whether it's finding a buddy and I know people that have commitments where they go to the gym X amount of days. And if they don't show up, they have to pay their buddy like 50 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. You're like, whatever works for you to do that 30 days, um, definitely do the first 30 days. Like I tell people with meditation, I think it's one of the greatest tools that any human has access to, but it doesn't work if you're doing it three times a week. It's like Mm -hmm. if you ate three salads a week and the rest of the time you ate junk food, like that's not really going to make a difference in your diet. Mm -hmm. Uh, The consistency and the compounding effect of it is really what works. So I would definitely offer, you know, whatever you need to get support, whether it's from your wife, from a friend, from a group, uh, definitely add that in there. Um, And then I think where, where, the, where I like the book and, and where it went to is like that to me is awesome. And it's still like the surface level mm. of what's, what's driving, mm-hmm. you know, the, the alcohol addiction or the porn addiction or the even going to the gym addiction or the staying at work addiction. Like that's the part that I think is really interesting. And that's the part where the work really begins. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd love to hear your take on, you know, how, how do we, deepen that once we get past that that first level. Yeah. Well, the to me, the initial practice is just breaking the outer layer totally. of the 17,000 layers in your soul, <laughs> whatever that number is, right? So it really is breaking the outer layer. And so to me, success begets more success. You know, self-esteem is built upon esteemable acts. So if you say to yourself, I'm not going to masturbate to porn for 30 days, after those 30 days, you've got an accomplishment and you've actually changed your biology of your mind in terms of success. You know, there are different different systems, the RAS system, dopamine release. There's, you know, biological impact in terms of building habits that succeed. Like your brain doesn't know the difference between taking out the trash every day or making your bed every day for a month compared to winning the Nobel Peace Prize. At a biological level, your brain does not know the difference. And so we to build yourself and get yourself out of the groove is the first step. And the second step is what happens is like when you stop eating junk food for 30 days, all of a sudden you don't crave it and you want the healthier stuff. You want the the non-gluten and the non-dairy. It's like your body responds to it and then you can go deeper. And the same thing happens with your soul. When you start to break these bad habits, new ideas and new concepts happen. Mm-hmm. To go deeper, it is almost impossible to do by yourself. And I think this is something we both agree upon is that you need another to reflect. Like as a coach and a consultant, my, my belief is I offer two main things to my uh, coach and my coaching clients. One is I approve of them as a human being. Mm. So no matter what they do, no matter what they think, what their tendency is, and I've seen some really intense tendencies or habits is I'm going to approve of them as a human being. Like I see that you have an intense porn addiction. That is just a program in your system. Mm. Like we don't throw away the computer if there's a virus. We're going to extricate the virus and up-level your computer. So I approve of you as a human being in general. The second thing is reflection. You know, we can't see ourselves, especially our shadow. So to have someone reflect to you, wow, you said you wanted to stop um, your anger, but did you notice that was a pretty angry expression you made in your face. I'm like, what expression? Yeah, when she said that, 
boy, you're, this mask came up. Like, really? And so you hire, quote, you hire your friends, you hire teams to help you see the parts you don't see. And there's so many great modalities out there. There's so many great therapies out there. There's so many great coaches out there, programs. There is no excuse. Like, I don't care where you live or what budget you have. Like a friend of mine uh, said, how does, how does a friend of mine in a remote area deal with their sex addiction? I Googled um, online sex addiction meetings, and there's a whole service where you can get on your phone anonymously and listen to other addicts talk about their sex addiction. There's no shortage anymore. There's no excuse anymore for you not to take the steps to clear these bad programs to have the life you want. Yeah. I, um, I just want to bring something forward that I think we can jam out for a little bit, which is the notion that, you know, the sex addiction, the work addiction, even the gym addiction or the food addiction um, are all innately an avoidance tactic mm-hmm. to avoid the part of us that we really don't want to be like, we really don't want to see and we really don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, at, by the age of eight, there's, there's 90, I don't know, seven, 8% of your programs are basically locked in. And mm-hmm. at that point you're going through life and these programs are going through life and we create all of these strategies mm-hmm. to avoid feeling like a loser or feeling worthless or feeling not good enough or smart enough or whatever it is that we create. And then we come home, say from a day of work and we may have made money and had a great day, et cetera. But like at the end of the day, that feeling of, I feel worthless, regardless of how much money and how many Ferraris and how big my house is and all that stuff. Like none of that stuff that you've tried is, is making the innate part that still feels worthless, go away. And the more stuff the mind is like, well, go get me this, then we'll feel worth it. And it mm-hmm. you check that box and it doesn't happen. And you just go through that process. So there's definitely this avoidance part that all of these addictions, quote unquote, are pointing to. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I, I love, you know, that you bring this forth. Like this is the, the real work that people get to do is seeing those parts, healing those parts, being those mm-hmm. parts. And when you say approve, kind of the, the word that I hear is like, you know, a person in your space gets to feel loved mm. and supported even when they're going through their stuff where whatever our addiction is, there's generally a lot of shame. Like mm-hmm. I'm ashamed that I do this. And when someone can be there with you and love you while you're being all that, it mm-hmm. really is. It's, it's almost, we call it like drinking medicine for your soul. Mm-hmm. You, you feel gotten. And then in that space, in only that safe space, can you actually start to do that kind of work. And I, and I know that you do that with people as well, like really, really hone in on, you know, what is that thing that we've been avoiding and, and healing that? So I'd love for you to share anything you, you feel called to about, about that work. Yeah, it's, it's some deep stuff in there. And I, I like what you said about up to eight years old. There's a lot of scientific studies out there. Some people believe as early as three, yeah. our systems are formed, depends on which technology you believe in. And then a story popped up, um, uh, I know we're going to talk about plant medicine a little bit, but I did. I interviewed a guy named Gerard Powell who created Rhythmia in Costa Rica. Mm. I interviewed him on my show. And he's a really interesting guy. And he basically has been an entrepreneur his entire life. And then, he, you know, in terms of money, he just made it. He built two companies. So in like his 30s and 40s, like women and cars and, and money. And then he sold his company for $90 million in cash. Wow. And then he tried to commit suicide. Wow. Because he was so miserable in terms of it wasn't the thing. It's not the success. He just could not figure out why he was so unhappy. So then he, he uh, sat with some plant medicine, our friend plant medicine, a little ayahuasca. And uh, he tells a story publicly. So he, he, he did ayahuasca and he asked the, the medicine, why am I such an asshole? And <laughs> the, the grandmother responded, because your grandfather abused you when you were young. Wow. And he had no idea. And so then he just started doing all these journeys. And so it's, it's never about the success. It's never about the external, you know, external helps, money helps. I'm not, one, I'm not on a sugarcoat. It's like having money helps, but it's just a tool. It's how you use the tool in your life will dictate how much you enjoy your life. And so I've, you know, I've had a really blessed life. I grew up, up, you know, upper middle class, but I also got to a point where I gambled all my money and ended up with, with 
dimes and nickels and like not worrying about where the next meal was coming from. Like I could always call my parents, but there was pride involved. I wasn't like about to starve the same, but there was time where I went really down to the bottom. And then I realized that having money didn't make me happy. Being happy made me happy. Doing the things that made me happy made me happy. So it really is about finding your own internal power to love life. Yeah. I'm curious when you were, when you were on that path of, uh, finding happy that makes you happy. Cause you know, people hear those sentences. It's like everything in Zen, right. It's like, right. how do you be happy? Be happy. And people are like, fuck you, be happy. I'm <laughs> tell me how, um, I'm curious though on your journey. Cause I know it really is that it's like, what, what is the thing that you find is your, your source and your alignment that makes you happy today? The, the main thing I believe that people don't do is they don't distinguish what's theirs and what someone else's. Say more. So, so we are, you know, if you look at your, at you, you can start going back through the generations and exponential two. So you had two parents, four grandparents, you know, uh, eight great, great grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, multiples of two. And so um, NLP Marin uh, talks about this. Uh, Michelle Masters, an amazing teacher. Um, she talks about this. She says, okay, imagine like you're in a stadium and just go back and have 64 of your ancestors sitting before you. You are the accumulation of those 64 people's lives and souls. Mm. Their life, um, the, the environment impacts our DNA, right? It also impacts our, how we interact with our children and our parents. And so when we're here, you can look at just back that six or seven generations, you are the composite of those 64 people. And depends on what you believe in, you carry with you all their training. And so sometimes in life, you don't know why you're making decisions. Am I doing this because truly I believe this? Or is this just some part of my ancestral trauma or my ancestral history being passed down in present time? Mm-hmm. So I was 28 years old and I was living the life. I was living my father's wet dream. Seriously. I was like corporate America, five bedroom house in San Francisco, suit and tie. Like I was living his dream. We had five bedrooms for the grandchildren, not the children, the grandchildren. Right. Wow. But I was also like not living my life. And so what my, my journey was, was to shake down to figure out what was my dad's to honor it, respect it, love it, and be thankfully say, no, thank you. This is what I want. Mm. And that is a step-by-step investigation of what's been installed in you to what you really want. And some of the things installed in you might be great. Like you might love your grandmother's love of dancing. You might love your mom's you know, singing voice. I'm not saying these are just bad, but do the work to figure out what's theirs and what's yours. That's how you get happy. Yeah. There's a, I learned that actually in Landmark when I did the Landmark Forum, I was 21 years old and they have an exercise, which I don't want to uh, go into too much detail, but uh, the have you done the forum? I did a yeah, long so time ago. Yeah. So, you know, like the, the choice exercise that they do on, on that last night and yeah. um, I walked out of there and I was kind of heading down that same path that you were just talking about. So my parents are immigrant parents. We moved mm. here. I was almost eight years old and I saw them work multiple jobs and make 400 bucks a week combined, you know, like they, they worked their ass off, but we got into schools, they sent me to college. And and at 12, I saw a few good men Mm. and I was like, I want to do that. Mm. Like I want to be that attorney. And Mm -hmm. I was always comfortable in front of people and it just kind of, it made sense. But the Mm. feedback from my environment was like, you'd be an awesome attorney. You'd Mm -hmm. be an awesome attorney. So you know, you start, these are like how these programs get set in. And so mm. I'm in high school and I'm doing mock trial. And I had this moment in mock trial, which I don't know why I just remembered, but I'm doing a cross of this witness and she literally starts crying on the stand. Mm. And in my dickheadish male move, I go, do you need some Kleenex? Mm. And like, I got her some tissues. And so like, this is all the programming that happens. So I'm going through all of college and I'm like, I'm going to be an attorney. I'm going to be an attorney. And I go after graduation. So I graduated in June. And like a few weeks later, I'm doing the Landmark Forum. And I'm, I'm going through this exercise. And I realize that this path that I'm on is not mm. even the path that I've chosen. Mm. 
it was, you know, like Russian Jewish immigrant parents having mm-hmm. a attorney son. Like this is like the promised land. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing that I'm about to go down a path where I'm making other people happy, but it's, it has nothing to do with what me right now as an adult, well, at mm-hmm. 21, um, I wanted. And so I remember I now, so now I figured this out, which was okay. That was, that was step one. But the second mm-hmm. piece was I actually have to go and tell my parents. Mm-hmm. So now I remember walking into this room and they're sitting in the TV room and I'm like, holy shit, how am I going to break it to two Russian Jewish parents, immigrant parents, that their son, who they're so happy is going to be an attorney that he doesn't want to do it. And I stood there and I told them, and this was the reaction. They were like, okay. And I swear, Robert, I thought I was being punked. Like this was when punked was on. I'm like looking around for cameras. I'm like, Mm -hmm. am I about to get hit with a baseball bat? Like Mm -hmm. this has never gone this well. And I learned something very valuable that day that when you're, when you choose something fully, Mm -hmm. like it's so a part of you, like you've gone through all the process, right? Mm -hmm. There's no doubt. There's just like, this is, this is what I choose. Mm -hmm. It's unarguable with. Mm. No one can just poke holes at it because it, it, it's your alignment. And even if they tried to poke a hole at it, it it doesn't even matter anymore because it's Mm -hmm. like, it comes from such a deep deep self-knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I first got, I was like, Oh my God, I, I think that was probably like the first choice, like my real adult choice mm-hmm. I'd ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a beautiful springboard into just creating that investigation. Like what, like you said, what is mine? What is that program? That's mine. Or even if it's not mine, like, is this a program that I want to keep moving forward in my life or is it not? And it was a really, really powerful, uh, experience. Can we talk about plant medicine? Yeah, I just want to close one yeah, thing please. with yours. So we, we've both kind of said this in major big things, but these could be really small things. Like this could be your choice around um, what you eat. You know, it could be where you want to live. It, it's like what kind of clothes you want to wear to the or up is you know your sexuality. There's a lot of pressure to conform. There's a lot of pressure to remain connected to the family and in the tradition. And really the courage is the one who's willing to say, thank you. I want to stay in connection with you. I don't want to be a lawyer. I'm going to stay in connection with you. And that's, you know, that's mastery. And, you know, good for you and your parents. Like, you know, just the quality of people they are to say, my love for you is more important than my picture of you. And a lot of parents don't do that. And we don't do that to ourselves. So really uh, incredible story. Again, and, you know, I've done that many times with them before. And it was always met with backlash. Right. And I think there's this, as I've become a parent and and coaching lots of parents, I've kind of realized that there's really simple things that parents want for our kids, Mm -hmm. right? Like we want them to be safe. Mm -hmm. We want them to be happy Mm. and we want them to be successful, whatever the hell that means for, for the individual, right? Mm. Beyond that, it's like the rest of it would be nice, but it's like those really core things. And I've had many of these conversations. Like if my son came over to me and was like, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be a surfer. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, great, go be the best damn surfer that you could possibly be. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care, but I get that for the older generations, there is a stigma of like this right. and this, because all of a sudden it's like, if you're going to be a surfer, well, he's not going to be safe. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be safe. Not only from the waves, but he's not going to be safe. Cause like, surfers are bums and they're not mm. making money. And like, so now that triggers my safety conversation, right. not their safety conversation, mine. And I think what I got was that when I approached them that way, mm-hmm. there was no doubt. There was no, like, he's not going to be safe. Mm. He's screwed. He's throwing away his future. There was just this grounded certainty. Mm. It wasn't this unwavering. I think parents get scared when kids are like, they say something, but behind that something is like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do, right? Mm-hmm. That scares a parent. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting to, to, to understand. And I, and I do agree with you. Like, it's look at everything. It's look right. at where you live, the job you have, the hairstyle you have, the food you eat. Mm-hmm. Everything is really, really powerful to investigate. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I think you did. Did you go to Rhythmia? I, I have not. I have not gone to Rhythmia yet. 
It's on my to-do list. Got it. But did you just do ceremonies like like a, a month or two ago? I did ceremonies in Las Vegas. Yes. About a month Recently. ago. About Recently. a month ago. Yes. I've been doing ceremonies for about three years. Yeah. Though this was a new epic experience about a month ago in Las Vegas. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's, and it's funny because I literally leave in nine days to go on my <laughs> Columbia retreat. There you go. There you go. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun. Well, I'm going to Costa, I'm going back to Costa Rica in nine days. So it'll be, I'll be in Costa Rica, same time you're in Colombia. Ceremonies again? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, do you do this with white, with your wife? I mo- usually do this with my wife. I actually just have a new client that's opening up a retreat center in Costa Rica. So I'm going to be with them and so we can, you know, get closer through the journeys. But yeah, I mostly do almost all my journeys with my wife, Morgan. Wow, that is incredible. I've, uh, I've had one. It was a horrible experience for her and she's been so gun shy to go since. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to pick your brain after on how that all happened. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think for this whole, for me, uh, plant medicine was a really, really huge awakening into mm-hmm the feminine energy, not the female, like the feminine energy, because I've been so grounded in being masculine and all that mm-hmm. stuff and finding the, the, the fire and the power and the feminine and that softness and the ability to just allow and receive has just been, I mean, monumental mm-hmm. in, in my life, my business, my relationships and everything. So um, I'd love to hear, you know, what your experience has been with the plant and, and how it's been driving your, your life, your training, your coaching. My, my history with uh, plant medicine and drugs, and I do draw a distinction between the two of them and have reverence for both. But, you know, there's, you. there's plant medicines uh, which are grown and then there's drugs that are synthesized. Um, and I have a really amazing experience with both of them. So, you know, I was, I was a virgin when I was 28, 29 years old. About that time I went to Burning Man. At Burning Man was the first time I had done any hallucinogenic in my entire life. Wow. Because I had bought all the stories that I'll go crazy and I'll lose my mind and this will be the start of my downfall. Like, you know, and so at Burning Man when I was 28, I did mushrooms for the first time. And it really was like being led down by the hand to a whole room in my head and the door is being thrown open and being like, look at all of this. Like, oh my God. Um, so I did that for about four or five years. Um, and then when we started One Taste, when I was 34, we decided to be sober. And we really, and it was a conscious choice. I never had an issue with drugs or alcohol, but it was really a choice because we wanted to create a sober place to explore you know, sexuality and community. And so it just added an extra level of pristineness to the experience. But when I left, when I was left in 2014, after 10 years, I was like, huh, I don't have that limitation anymore. And so then I started to do journeys with Morgan. She had a curiosity. I had a curiosity. And I think I've done over 30 journeys at this point, both with a tea and something called ma, which is a mixture of uh, ayahuasca, mushrooms, and traditional cacao mm. with different um, shamans in uh, you know the the Pacific Northwest, Pacific Southwest, sorry. Um, and here's the end result. The end result is it's up-leveled every aspect of my life, from my relationship to Morgan, relationship to myself, healing trauma, and really, you know, seeing who I am in business. So for me, it's been a significantly positive experience. And this is the, this is the warning. Plant medicine is not for the faint of heart. Damn right. And I highly, highly recommend two things. If you're not 100% yes to it, which your wife sounds like she's not 100% yes to it, don't do it. Don't do it until you're really called to it. And two, please, please, please go with a shaman with experience, with knowledge, with history, with more than a year or two of training, like five or 10 years training. Please, please, please do not take a shortcut and sit with someone because the difference between your expansion and your um, shrinking, I don't want to say destruction, but like your shrinking really all depends on the environment and who's holding it. So please, please take care of yourself if this is a journey you decide to take. Yeah. Someone's always just in Miami and some, we were talking to someone about this and she calls them shamans. Yeah. Uh, because I think it has, uh, yeah, obviously, plant medicine and journeys in general, whatever, you know, 
things they use has become a lot more commonplace. Mm-hmm. And now like here in Brooklyn, there's just like all these people, they're, they're like Instagram shamans. I'm mm-hmm. like, it just goes against everything that I know to be sacred about it. Um, I'm curious if, if there were like, as, as you've been doing this, I know that the experience is always different. Um, from a standpoint of being a man and walking into that environment, um, did you also have similar experiences of, of getting in touch with the feminine energy and unlocking that for yourself and, and how that's kind of shifted the way you, you perceive and, and act in life? It's, so I've had a, a long-standing relationship with understanding the feminine, and that had to do with my choice of business partners with One Taste. So I, you know, when I started One Taste with a woman named Nicole Daydone, she is a powerhouse powerhouse feminine leader. Like she was in charge. There was no question who was number one and who was number two. And that was fine with me. I liked being number two. And so I had, but I was also very masculine in my approach to business. And I don't know if you've ever uh, interfaced with a feminine based business. It is not follow the same rules as a masculine. So I had to learn surrender. I had to learn insight. I had to learn presence and attunement. So I had, you know, really 12 years of experience with that before I started doing medicines. So I walked into the plant medicine with the skill of surrender. Now, surrender is not something that most men like the word itself. Surrender, it brings up no retreat, no surrender. Like, yeah. like you know, John von Claude Van Damme, you know, like, you know, movies. I know surrender, death before surrender, death before dishonor. It's, to me, it's the opposite. Surrender is like when you go surfing, you're surrendering to the ocean. You're surrendering to a power greater than you. And so when I sat with, with grandmother and I sat in, in journeys, I was just like, okay, take me wherever you want to take me. And in the surrender, I had such deep, epic experiences. I saw parts of myself I never thought I'd see. I saw, you know, like healing a relationship with my dad. You know, there's one time I was like, do I need more work with my dad? Like, nah, you're done. And so it was like, it was such an epic experience, but going into surrender, Masculine men who walk into the medicine journey saying, prove it to me, motherfucker, or I'm not going to surrender, they get their asses kicked. If you're willing to say, take me, I'm yours, show me where you want to go, I'm dropping expectations, that is the most important piece to me around journey. Yeah. And and how is that? uh, So here's, and I love that you made the distinction, by the way, thank you for making the distinction between drugs and medicine. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to explain to someone, but as soon as someone works with the medicine, you're like, wow, this is not a drug. It's, it's, right. it, it's very obvious. But like when you're, when you're doing that work, right? Like say drugs, and I do know that there's a way to do drugs in ceremony. I've learned that actually with working with ayahuasca and becoming a mm-hmm. lot more ceremonious in those things. But a lot of times when people do drugs or psychedelics or things like that, it's a wow experience, but very little trickles into actual life. It's like mm-hmm. you have that great idea, kind of like you read in the book or you watch a video. But if we're looking at your life a year later, very little has changed. Mm-hmm. Whereas ayahuasca, at least from my experience, it's like whether you did one journey or mm-hmm. two journeys in a weekend, like your life is never the same after mm-hmm. that. It, it really just reorganizes everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious when you played with that and we obviously it's a constant game of surrender and allowing how has that played into your life, into your coaching? I I mean, I heard a lot of it in unhidden Mm -hmm. uh, personally, but I'm just curious from, from your take, what was that? How's that experience been? Well, I'll share my most recent experience. Yeah, please. So I've been working on myself for 20 years, you know, from that moment in everyone's class, you know, do you know why it's crying to now has been over 20 years at this point. And so about a month ago, I was in this journey. And I took the first cup. And for those who don't know, it, it's, not, it's not fun. It's fun and it's not funness, if that makes sense. Like, you're like, wee, but it's not like you're partying. It's not like you're laughing or sitting around. Or, it's work. That's a good way to describe it. And so I did the first cup and everything was fine. And then I went to get the second cup. Shamans will dole out depending on your d- desire. And so I drank my first cup. And about an hour later, I did my second cup. And as soon as I drank, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. So then I staggered back to my little place and I threw this epic 
purge, like to the core, down to my toes. It was like, what? And, you know, a lot of people fear the purge. To me, it's like, oh, the poison from my body is leaving. Yes. Like this is, it's taking the stuff I don't need anymore. That's my perspective. So anyway, epic purge. And when I finish, you know, this room of 15 people, there's a bunch of uh, women start crying. No, they're crying. I notice they're crying. Now, my little, you know, elevated mind, I'm like, oh, they're crying because I'm so powerful. And then the second thought was like, ah, it's a fun story. Thanks for enjoying that. <laughs> you know, it was really, my ego was like, that's silly. But the point was, it's like the word came to me. I was like, you're a king. Mm. You're not the king. You're a king. And the only one who doesn't know you're a king is you. Mm. And then this line from Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, you know, the elf king comes up and goes, you know, put aside the ranger, be the man you're supposed to be. And I was like, oh, and all of a sudden I embodied in myself this belief that I'm a king Mm. and a king and the nobility of being a king. So that was less than a month ago. And I've already started to impact my business. I've already changed my fee structure. I got this new gig in Costa Rica about five days later. Like all these things happen. And so is it magic? Is it coincidence? Maybe. But when you're available to see what's available, it shows up. Like if you're sitting with your blinders on, I'm a piece of shit. I'm nobody. I'm not going to get anywhere. No one's going to love me. My relationships are always going to be the same. Well, guess what? The universe might show something up. You can't see it because you're focused on what's not happening. When you sit, to me, the missing opens your eyes really wide to see what's possible. Then you can embrace what's mm. possible. So good. I love that. And you know, the with the blinders, I think when people are in the shit and it's like they have the blinders on, Yeah. but there's that thing inside that's like, I'm not happy. I'm not well, right? I think there's an innate part of us, like deep, mm-hmm. deep, deep. The soul kind of like starts popping out and like mm-hmm. you hear little whispers like, we're not supposed to be doing this. Right, right. And the whispers get a little bit louder. And, you know, eventually when you're in that place, kind of like not feeling well, mm-hmm. generally people ask questions. Mm-hmm. I think it's a much more innate thing to ask questions. The The bigger part that I see is like when people have the blinders on mm-hmm. and they're going through life, checking all the boxes and they're disregarding all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I'm kicking ass in business, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm this, I'm that, all this stuff. And they're just so blind to, because they're producing results, mm-hmm. they don't stop to actually ask the question, like, am I happy? Mm-hmm. Like, is this really what I was put on this earth to do? Mm-hmm. And it takes, then those people like hit a brick wall at 90 miles an hour where they Mm -hmm. just get leveled. And then they have to ask those questions later. I think ayahuasca is just a a brilliant way that no matter where you are in life, it cuts through all the noise and it cuts through all the bullshit. It doesn't deal with like the surface level stuff. Mm -hmm. It just goes right to the heart of it. It's like, here's your anxiety. Here's where you're unhappy. Here's that shitty relationship that you've been resisting. Like, Mm -hmm. It just makes you look. And that's why, you know, I like that you said it's like fun, not fun type of thing. Right. Because, and that's the piece where you have to be a willing participant mm-hmm. to say, hey, I'm going to go on this adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're taking right now, um, there's 11 of us going down into the jungle together. Mm-hmm. These are clients that we work with and we take them down once a year. And I can see, you know, like right before you go do the ceremony, mm-hmm. that like week, two week period where everything just goes, Yep. And people are just losing. They're like, what the fuck is happening yeah. right now? And I'm just like, this is it. This, yep. this is it right now. This journey's already started. It doesn't journey's already started. Yep. Yeah. And it's just, to me, that it was the, so I also, I've been doing work since 2003. Mm-hmm. I've been with my wife for, we're going to be celebrating 11 years uh, this year. That was tough. Thank you. I've done a lot of work. Like she's watched me coach through all this time, be coached through all this time. The first time I came back from the jungle mm. was the first time she's like, you know, cause like we do all this work and then we come back and then the wife doesn't notice. And you're like, what the fuck? It was the first time I came back. She's like, wow, you're a different human being. Mm. I was just a better dad, a better lover, mm. better friend, a better son. 
it made me slow down. It made me a lot more aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing for me that was huge, I know you got this from, um, from doing one taste, but for me, it was like tapping into the feminine mm-hmm. and realizing that energy and frequency in others. Mm-hmm. And it just made me so aware and loving of that like fantastic thing that flows in my mom and in my wife and in my daughter and just that appreciation and gratitude for, for them. Um, you know, and then like, obviously when you're in that state, how they receive you and how that interacts with you is just so different. Mm-hmm. And it just allows you to, to be yeah, happier regardless, I guess, of the, the circumstances that are naturally happening in life. Right. And the most important piece is when you embrace your feminine, it doesn't mean a diminishment of your masculine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of fear of a lot of men is if I attach my feminine side, will I make me less of a man? And if and to me, it's like adding a superpower. Yes. You're adding a whole skill set to your already impressive skill set. It's like playing poker. You can know the cards and the odds. Your masculine side is tracking and your feminine side is reading your, the tells of the opponent. That's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're combining both to be the best you can be. Yeah. And I think for business too, you, I'm sure you felt this too. It's like allowing the feminine to receive and guide and then mm-hmm. allowing the masculine to do what it's really good at, which is getting out there and, and making shit happen. Mm-hmm. But before it was like you cut off this part of your power and then just the masculine's like, I got to do this. Then I got to do that. Then I got to do this. And you just like run around unnecessarily like a chicken with your head cut off, mm-hmm. running, 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 running. And then when you find you're like, hold on, I can just pause and mm-hmm. breathe and allow for something to come through. And when that thing just feels in my alignment, then it's like, okay, now let's go do that thing. And I've just found that instead of doing, you know, like the 80, 20 rule, mm-hmm. now it's like, I take one action and it does 10 X what all the other actions were doing. And I, I spend a lot less effort, mm-hmm. uh, a lot less time. Mm-hmm. The results are better. It just feels better as I'm going through it. Um, there's, there's just massive shifts when you do add the, the two components together. Agreed. Yeah. Um, what's next on, on your, uh, so now we've written the book, we've, we've opened and closed a company. We're co- like, what's next on your horizon? Um, I just continue to work on my craft. Um, my, you know, my business consulting is really going through the roof recently. And so I'm investigating up leveling that really working with some great projects. And then I continue to do advertisements and podcast interviews and speaking gigs around the book. So it really is both sides. Um, and TED Talk is really my next big thing Nice. I'd like to speak on. That's my next big goal for the end of this year, early next year. Awesome. I love it. Well, um, where can people find out more about you and what you offer today in the world? Everything can be found uh, via my website, robertcandell.com, K-A-N-D-E-L-L.com. My own podcast, Tough Love. Maybe I'd love for you to come on and be a guest on my show. That'd be wonderful. And then uh, social media to buy the book. um, All aspects of my life can be found at robertcandell.com. And by the way, Tough Love is T-U-F-F. Yes. Yeah. Tough Love. So so when people search, they're like, "Ah, I searched and I couldn't find it. Tough Love with Robert Candell, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll have all the links and, and everything like that. Uh, Robert, I just want to um, acknowledge you. I, uh, I'm around a lot of men, and I know what it takes to, to put down the, the armor and the masks of you know, what it means to be a man today and really step into this, what I think is like the renaissance of man. And mm-hmm. I love that you're leading the charge and bringing all that information forth. It was just such a pleasure to read your book and know that someone's out there bringing this message to like this very, very necessary message to the world. So truly thank you for everything that you do. Deeply honored. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, for everyone else, guys, I'll have the links for you guys. Check out all Roberts' stuff. I highly recommend Unhidden. Um, And yeah, we'll see you on the next Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast. Robert, thank you so much. Hey, hey, before you go, I just wanted to remind you to go lock in your $9 per month for life offer to join our collective. Like I said, you can even try it for free for the next 14 days. 
I promise if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love what we're sharing inside of the collective. Again, just head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and you can lock that price in. These are the same tools that we share with our personal one-on-one clients and those guys pay us tens of thousands of dollars to work with us. You can have them for just $9 a month. Again, satoriprime.com forward slash the collective. And as always, we'd love to hear your honest reviews of our show. So if you head to iTunes and leave us a review right now, you could actually be next week's lucky winner. And lastly, if you do want to connect with Guy and I, head to Facebook right now, join our personal development without the fluff private group, ask for permission. There's a ton of amazing exclusive content there as well. And you get to communicate and interact with Guy and I on an ongoing basis. So as always, thank you for your trust, your loyalty, and your listening. We do not take it for granted. We really, really appreciate it. We love you and we'll see you next time.